Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and man, it is 2022. Happy New Year to everybody listening. Can't believe 2021 flew by, but we are into the new year. And this month, man, I am excited about this episode. It's a topic and theme that's near and dear to my heart as a coach and as a professional. Before we get into that, real quick, Coach Joe Krawczyk is out, our co-host, him and his wife, his beautiful wife, Kristen, just gave birth to their new baby boy, David. So he's out right now with his wife on maternity leave, just helping take care of baby David. So he'll be back uh, in the near future. So good luck, Mr. Joe. Anyway, with that, let's welcome our, our, our special guest today, who's not only a colleague of mine, but I, fear, I feel a, a good friend who's helped counsel me through just different situations at Texas. Miss Ryan Brashears from our HR department. Welcome. How are you doing today, Ryan? Thank you, Donnie. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing great. This is going to be fun. I know, right? Very, very, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. You got it. And Ryan, real quick, is our Senior Associate Athletics Director for Human Resources at the University of Texas at Austin Intercollegiate Athletics. And Ryan, her role, I'm going to let her speak here in a minute, but her role is so big for us and you work kind of behind the scenes you're not really out there on social media uh you, you don't put this stuff out in the news but the role that you play behind the scenes not just for our staff but for i know other staffs you kind of are the glue i feel like that holds us together and keeps the ship going in the right direction so that's kind of my my take again i've worked with you for years ryan you've helped our staff with courses, counsel, and development. So thank you for that. Would you just take a minute and introduce yourself to the listeners today, yes, please? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we try to steer the ship in the right direction. So right, thank right. you for that. Uh, when you invited me to be on the team behind the team, that really spoke to me. Working in HR is definitely a behind-the-scenes kind of job. So I feel like this is a great opportunity for us to kind of get out in front and share what we do. So my background, um, I actually graduated from Texas State University, San Marcos. It was Southwest Texas at the time. Nobody, nobody put a number count on that for age. But but um, got my degree from there in business, and I accidentally fell into human resources. Wasn't the career I set out to do, to be honest. Like most college kids, didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Target offered me a job, and I actually ended up covering a leave of absence for a human resources director for eight weeks. And after that eight weeks, they couldn't get me out of it. <laughs> I fell in love with That's HR. Great, yeah. um, so I feel like HR sometimes picks you. And I hear that story a lot from people in my profession. Um, Most of my team is the same story. Um, So after that, worked for Target for about five years doing human resources, kind of grew my career there. Um, Had a couple of stores at one point, worked up to nine different stores in South Central Texas that I had um, in my scope of responsibility and was ready for the next big thing, but didn't want to relocate at the time. Uh, My husband and I wanted to stay close to family in Texas. So I ended up working for UT. I actually started out working as the HR director in the housing and dining department. So all of the dorms, yeah, yeah, all the dining halls. It was a big job. Um, The guy who hired me at the time was the vice president of HR on campus, and he retired and came back to work in athletics. And after several years of being at housing and dining, I was there for about four or five years, he called me and was like, 
want to come to athletics? <laughs> Which I think is everybody's dream at some point when you work on a university campus. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so he recruited me over and I got to kind of break into the world of athletics right. professionally. Right. Yep. Um, and that's how I ended up here, which is, um, it's been really fun. Um, my job, as Donnie said, is overseeing HR um, for athletics. So we have about 3,000 employees and contractors and vendors. That includes coaches and Donnie's amazing staff. They're super fun to work with. So shout out to our sports medicine and nutrition teams and strength coaches and our behavioral health. We really love working with your teams and your areas. Um, it's really, really fun to do. So overseeing hiring and compensation, um, performance management. We do a lot of professional development. Um, human resources team is extremely involved in our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts and programming that we do. So we do a little bit of everything in our office, which I think keeps it interesting. No, I, that's so good. And I want to just circle back. I feel like this team behind the team that we're seeing in athletics, it's so important to me. And that's why I'm so thankful you're on the show. We've got to have not just the resources, but the support of people that are developing uh, professionally, uh, sharpening the axe, so to speak, as we say in, in performance, uh, just making people better. Because you, if you can just have that 1% edge and advantage, I think it gives you a difference over the competition. And so I know that not all athletics departments have the support we do. So thank you for, again, we, we have rock stars here. So sorry that we're kind of tooting our own horn here, but that's just... <laughs> We're a little biased, but that's just that's part of the deal. But um, kind of a question here to piggyback off your introduction. You know, recently, you know, we just we're coming through COVID. We're still kind of dealing with some of that now, and there was a lot of athletics departments that either furloughed or had to let people go, unfortunately, which were tough times. I feel I, I read an article on LinkedIn. I think it was last week. They called it the Great Reshuffle. And so right now, it seems like a lot of people are just searching for different jobs and trying to find their way. What is the current landscape in the job market in college athletics from your perspective in HR? What have you seen? Yes, the Great Reshuffle is definitely one way to coin it. Um, I think you know what we're seeing is a lack of people interested in applying for jobs. So we went from for example, posting a job and getting 100 applicants in 24 hours to getting 10 to 12 over 10 days. Um, so there's definitely the struggle of finding qualified candidates or people interested in changing jobs. So I think one of the things that I'm seeing from my perspective is people who held on to their jobs during the COVID shutdown you know, across the country and across the world are somewhat afraid to try to take a step to maybe leave that job security, not really sure oh, where wow. it's going. Yeah. You know, COVID's not over, it's still around. And I think that people are still a little bit nervous about making the job switch. Um, and then I think in other cases, you have people who really change their priorities um, during that time. And they got to spend more time with family or they got to realize, you know what, this wasn't a job I was super passionate about, I wanna try something else. So we're also seeing a lot of um, applicants who don't necessarily have the qualifications that we're used to seeing in our applicants pools. And so we're trying to find, you know, we want to get the best of the best to come to Texas. And, you know, we want to have a lot of um, really diverse candidates to pull from to make sure that we have the best staff with different backgrounds and different genders and ethnicities and experiences and jobs. And um, it's been really challenging from a human resources standpoint to really find and go recruit people um, to come to Texas. And that's everywhere. Um, you know, we're facing the same struggles that all mm -hmm. of the industries are facing. 
So, um, you know, some of those trends that we're trying to be more open to are, yeah, we're going to get candidates in the pool who maybe have no athletic background or experience, but that doesn't mean they can't do the work or the job that we want them for. I didn't come from an athletics professional background. I played sports growing up, but I hadn't worked in the industry until I came to Texas Athletics. And, you know, it's been really great. I feel like I've been successful and my team is really strong and most of my team doesn't have a background working in sports. So I think we're trying to get more open to the idea that just because you didn't grow up working in athletics in your career Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you can't do the work or you won't be phenomenal at what you're hired to do. Um, So I think that's a new trend that we're embracing and seeing in our applicant pools and in our recruiting. Um, And we have more jobs and fewer people applying for them. So the other thing that we're kind of seeing is that our jobs might take a little longer to fill or we might need to restructure our teams to fill some gaps and do it with fewer people, but with some really qualified go-getters who have the ambition and the drive to work really hard and, and embrace something new and different. That's cool. And I I mean, what I hear you saying too, Ryan, is like right now is like a great time to get involved in athletics. If you've kind of been thinking about it, like you're, you're looking for a job, maybe you, maybe you think you're not qualified as much yet, but still it's worth the shot to get everything together, apply for it and try to, try to make a run. That's what I'm hearing you say. I always tell people, they ask me, well, I may not be as qualified for that job as others. And I, you know, my response to them is always kind of depends on who applies. So you don't know who you're going up against until you actually get your application in there. If the person across the country with 20 years of experience doesn't apply, you might find you are the most qualified person or that you bring a skill set to the table that that team needs right now. So definitely get out there and take that chance and take a look if it's something you're interested in. That's good. Yeah. Um, Let's talk through the interview process just for a moment. If you see a job you want to go after, what advice would you have for someone to help them get a shot at just getting in an interview? Kind of talk us through that. What, yeah. would, what would you say to them? First and foremost, apply. Kind of right. what I was just saying. Don't think that you're not qualified enough. Apply for the job because you just never know um, how your resume or how you might stand out compared to others who are applying, especially when we know there's not as many people applying for jobs right now as there are jobs available. Um, number two, do your research. You know, know your company, know what their culture is. You never want to go after a job that might not be a good fit for you and your lifestyle or your career goals. Um, and you want to make sure it's a right match for you as well as for the company. So, you know, remember you're interviewing the agency too, or the company that you're interested in, or that um, university or that college athletics program. Uh, The other thing that I would say in preparing for interviews, you're only going to get the interview if you've got the resume to get it. So your resume can get you the interview and your resume can cost you an interview. So the very first thing to get right is that resume so that your application stands out. Um, That's so good. Yeah. You know, a lot of companies are using software now that read for keywords. They don't even look at resumes in some cases. We do. We look at every single applicant. But a lot of institutions are relying on software to find keywords or buzzwords and resumes to match you with the job that you're applying for. So your resume really needs to be tied into the job posting that they've created. Um, And I've got some tips on that, too, uh, for resume writing and, and things that we can get into. The other thing I would say is if you get that interview, you've really got to be prepared So I have this technique that my friends call and ask, like, I got this interview. I don't know how to prepare. What do I do? Um, And so my first thing is like, well, let's start by taking a breath and calm down because your interview is two weeks away. You've got plenty of time to figure it out. Um, But one thing that I've always done is I actually will print out my resume and um, I will print out the job posting and I'll go through and I'll highlight 
I'll get a pink highlighter, a yellow highlighter, a green highlighter, and I'll highlight everything on the two that match in green. I've got this experience in green. It matches the posting. Yellow, I I probably have a little bit of that experience, but I might need to go back to kind of my bank and recall some more um, different situations that I've had that I can pull from. Mm -hmm. And pink is like, oh, I probably don't have that experience. So where can I really focus on the things I do have and highlight those strengths? And then I get a notebook out and I go old school. I get a pen and paper and a notebook and I write down and try to pull eight to 10 situations or examples from my professional experience that I've been in. They can be very complex and challenging to super simple, but I'll actually write out here are eight to 10 scenarios that I could provide in an interview setting. I practice and kind of have them in my bank of questions that I can go to and answer. Mm-hmm. And I have something to pull from. So I don't just walk into an interview completely unprepared. Now, there have been questions thrown at me that I didn't practice or rehearse. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not standing necessarily in front of a mirror practicing my answers. I'm just getting my thoughts out on paper so that I can more easily recall examples from two years ago or five years ago or seven years ago that might apply to different scenarios when I get that interview so that I can really stand out and show that I'm qualified for this job. And let me tell you how I'm qualified. So those are some things that I do. Um, I'd be curious, you know, you've been in your career for a very long time. And I know that you coach a lot of other young professionals coming up. What kind of advice do you give them? Because I know mine's kind of unique and different, um, but I'd be curious what things you've shared with with your people. Yeah, right? I believe, too. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head at the beginning of your resume needs to be sharp. I mean, when it doesn't – and what I think in our profession, and, and maybe you see this in different areas, too, they tend to put too much on there. Mm-hmm. Or I think what they'll do – this is kind of a pet peeve in coaching, but they tend to uh, overhype what they can do. Uh-huh. Yes. And almost it comes off to us like you're just bragging on yourself and right. it's kind of focusing on you versus kind of what you the value or the trait that you have that helps make the team better. So I think that's something that, you know, so I think going through and like you said, with the highlighters would be a great exercise to. And then I think the second step that was just wording some of those statements or bullet points in a way that it's, hey, I, I can bring value to this team if you bring me in. I'm not going to have all the answers, but I'll make everybody better. And so right. I think that's kind of what right. we look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just as young coaches and professionals, they tend to kind of put uh, his tooth their own horn a little too much. Right. That's what we look at, see sometimes. So. I definitely think that's one thing I see in your team and the team that you'll put together is that humility. Very competent and confident, but there's a humility behind every person you've hired, which really goes back to yeah, I can do this job and I bring yeah. value, but I'm not going to have all the answers. And that's okay, too. And being honest in those settings and really expressing that is a quality that I think most companies and good managers are looking for when they're interviewing. Yeah, and I think just to circle back on what you said, I really think a key thing that you've got to be skilled at, and I, I think there's an art to it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. you got to be able to sell yourself, though. Absolutely. So how do you sell yourself in a way where you're confident in your competence but you're not coming off as arrogant or you know self-centered like it's all about me. I'm the guru, right. and I don't know that I have the answer for that. You, I think you can pick up on the spirit of that when you're hearing in the body language or see the body language and the voice tone and kind of how they. Right. What would be your kind of uh, 
how do, how do you kind of strike a balance in that <laughs> from what you've seen? I know it's hard yes. to answer, but what, how would you answer that? Well, it's funny because I actually can see people on both ends of the spectrum, right? You know, a lot of people undersell themselves and don't come in tooting their own horde enough. And then you've got the opposite side where it does come across as arrogant. I think if you're the person that struggles with coming across as arrogant or overly confident, a really great way to kind of water that down and make sure that people see that, yes, you're selling yourself, but you also do this. You give credit to others. Oh, that's good. So you can share examples, right? And, you know, you're going to say, you know, yeah, I had this happen and this is what I did and these are the actions that I took. But it took all of us or it took the team or so-and-so really stepped in and they contributed this. And so one way to really show that you're a team player and it's not coming from a place of arrogance or, you know, me, 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 is to just give credit to others. And you can do that even in your interview process. People want to see that you're going to be a team player and really acknowledge the work that the people around you are contributing because no one can do anything by themselves anymore with what we do and in our industry. Yeah, I remember you made me think of a John Maxwell quote, uh, one of the my favorite leadership guys is uh, he talks about, you know, leadership. They have this kind of like saying that leadership is lonely at the top. Mm. And he kind of pokes at that a little bit, kind of pushes against it and says, no, it's only lonely at the top because you don't take anybody with you. That's right. And that's more of a personality flaw than is you know, or a character flaw because you're not you're not because the best leaders, he, he kind of talks about this in a lot of his books. The best leaders take others with them. Yes. So to your point. Yes. I think that's strong when you're interviewing that you can say, hey, it's not just about me. I help lift other people up, too, as we as we strive for excellence. So I think that's absolutely absolutely. And that makes the organization as a whole better because you're bringing the people around you with you, which builds the organization up at the same time. It makes you more marketable, right? And just hire. I mean, just attractive to hire. So I think it's yes, it's big time. So good, good advice. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about resumes. And I. I don't know. I secretly have this. I have a background in art, and so when I see a beautiful, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but the, uh, when I see a beautiful, and I mean beautiful resume, just the way it's the font, and you could tell they've gone into great detail of how they've, you know, the bullet points are organized right. There's just so there's something about it before I even look at it, right, and start going through. I'm like, this person has already impressed me with their their detail orientation. So yes. what would you say, what what are some of the best resumes? How are they structured? Or is there a certain font you like? <laughs> give us the give yeah. us the, the know-how and the secret tips here. Right? Well, first, I'm going to tell you, yes, that beautiful resume is going to stand out to you first. And I think we always go for that one. Like, this is beautiful. But keep in mind that just because somebody's good with art skills on a computer doesn't mean they have the competency or the skills to do the job you're hiring them for. Now, if you're working in the creative team, and your job is to build websites and resumes. You definitely want to go for that one, right? I needed to hear that one. I needed to hear that <laughs> yes, one. Yes, yes. So definitely a caution there if you're not hiring for a creative web-based social media person. But um, it's easy to get caught by those beautiful resumes. And they do help because you know the person put a lot of time and effort into them. So it is a good sign no matter what. Um, I think you know a couple of things on resumes. There's definitely some things that you can do on there that I think are a waste of space. And this is me, just my opinion. I can't speak on other HR professionals or hiring managers. So from my perspective specifically, um, the objective statement a lot of times is just written very poorly or is wrong. And I think it takes up valuable space. So good. That's so good. I strike Preach. it. I strike Preach. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I've kind of become known as the resume writer in my 
my friend circle and my family circle, and the first thing I tell them to do is delete the the objective statement. It doesn't actually get you anywhere, especially if you have to write a cover letter anyway. Um, so you can put those objectives in your letter of interest or your cover letter. So save your space there. Um, for me, I really like to be able to look at a resume at the top and very quickly see a summary of qualifications. These are not long sentences. They are literally bullet points with one or two words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have, for example, experience in um, Olympic sports, strength coach, um, at the top, it can be, you know, two or three bullet points and you can put strength coach, you can list your certifications and you can just list the sports that you've trained and worked with. Concise. Very concise. And so for me at the very top, that tells me right away, I want to look further because the thing about resumes is they can get long. And the person reading 100 resumes needs to very quickly know, I want to look at this one or this person's not qualified. So if you want to stand out immediately and get the rest of your resume read, that's what works for me and everybody on my staff. Um, So we kind of teach that when we're helping others with resume writing. Um, The other thing from there is clearly everybody knows this rule. No typos. Make sure your layout and your grammar and everything is correct. After that, I really like to see their job history. So your most recent job at the top to your oldest at the bottom. And that's where you can get into kind of a little bit more detail about, okay, this was my job and these are the things that I did. So your bullet points are more, they're a little longer. They're not that brief, concise bullet point at the top that you did. And that's where you can get a little more explanation of, you know, what you accomplished Mm -hmm. and what in more depth you did in that role. So you really want to grab the attention at the top. Otherwise, if they're looking at 100 resumes, you're going to lose them really quick. It gets lost. Um, so being concise, I think also I go back to that pink, yellow, green. I don't have one resume. I have about 50 resumes, um, with my experience on it. And the reason for that is, um, what I find a lot of times when I'm helping somebody is they do one resume and they use it for all of the jobs they're applying for. They've applied for 20 jobs in the last two months and it's the exact same resume every time, but those 20 jobs are all different. You should have 20 different resumes because each resume should be customized to the job that you're applying for. So go back and print that job posting out and your resume and go back and highlight Mm -hmm. green, yellow, pink. If you highlighted something in pink, but it's in your experience, you need to make sure you add that to your resume so that you get that match with the job posting. And then when you're organizing those bullet points under that job, you want to put the most relevant things for that job posting at the top of that list of bullet points and the least relevant kind of work their way to the bottom. So the big things are right under your title. If they're looking for somebody to manage a team of 40 people, that's kind of a big deal. That's the main purpose of the role. That should be right at the top of your list of bullet points. So really prioritize what's the most important from that posting that you can pull out Mm -hmm. and get that in that order. I'm not super picky about font, <laughs> but uh, I love Arial. Uh, I love that's great. I love Arial. I don't know what it is. It's just clean and simple. It seems very clean. I'll tell you. Um, I knew there's a reason why I like to use more. Olga's than, probably gonna yeah. listen to this and cringe. She hates Arial font. Why? Um, she cannot stand it. She, oh, I think, her funny. favorite's Times New Roman. You can never go wrong with Times New right. Roman. I think you can actually fit more on the page with Ariel. <laughs> See, that's what I like. Definitely, don't go smaller than eleven. That would be the tiniest I would go on a font size. Right. And then make sure your sections are just really got some really great headers to section out. You know, these are my this is my work experience. These are my qualifications. Here are my certifications and licenses, which can go with your education. So don't be afraid to list all of the qualifications that you've got that are relevant to that job, but not just one resume, folks. You should have 
lots of resumes if you're applying for different positions to make them custom and unique to that job. Okay, two ca- caveats to that <laughs> whole, that is awesome. Cover letters, yes. pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Look at who you're addressing the cover letter to. Yes. You need to change, whether it's the person or the school. I know in coaching, they send so many out because they're applying to so many jobs that they just don't check little things. Yes. And that just shows you they're not paying attention. And I think that can kind of that can kind of ding you sometimes. And then, oh, absolutely. I know that I've received numerous cover letters in athletics, yeah. well, in all of my career history that maybe they even changed the who they're writing it to, but in the body of the cover letter, it names the other organization and not, you know, Texas Athletics. It might say some other school or another department. So you definitely need to go back and proofread. And if you're going to recycle some of that and use it over, that's great because you've probably got some great content. But if it's not current, you're automatically out in most cases. Yeah, kind of, this is a country boy analogy, but it's kind of like fishing, I think, you know, you, if you, if you, if any fishermen or women out there, if you've ever been, you got to change the bait. You can't just leave dead bait out there and like the fish, you know, if it's got to be alive. So kind of equip that to, uh, make sure you check every resume, double check it before you send it, the Absolutely. cover letter, uh, quick other, uh, little thing here, references. Yes. Attached to the resume or separate? So Call I would it. recommend they be separate. How come? So sometimes you want to submit your references right away. And other times, depending on the organization's software, they may want you to wait on submitting those and okay. do it later. So I actually keep them as two separate documents so that I have the option of either uploading both or separating them. Um, I also find that I can get better formatting if I keep it in a separate document and it doesn't clutter the formatting I'm doing Mm -hmm. with my resume. And then I can keep everything just super clean, really nicely printable. Sometimes when you upload your documents to a company's software, if it's all in one document, your formatting might get off and your references might blend onto a page that you didn't intend for them to. So another tip, never upload a Word document (laughs) for an application. Always use a PDF. How come? What's the the the... only way to guarantee your formatting won't change. So a lot of times people will upload Word documents. And as soon as I open that on my computer, I might have different computer settings or you might have been using a Mac and I'm using a PC. And suddenly your beautiful resume is completely unformatted because you didn't do a PDF. So so always use a PDF when you're uploading your documents. Yeah. Note to self on that one. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Good stuff. A little transition. This is uh, one I've been dying to ask you. Because I have, I have, yeah, I got all these pet peeves. That's why we brought you. I love it. <laughs> Don't worry, I have some too. I promise. <laughs> uh, so throughout COVID, there's been a lot of online interviews versus in person, and I know that's still, I think that's still a trend and continuing. I think financially it saves money, yes. convenience, and just you get to, just get a, uh, you get a greeting with somebody, get to know them a little bit, kind of before you start bringing them in and spending money and, and out of the budget. Um, what are some tips and tricks that? St- how do you stand out online? And are there anything that you can do online that kind of will fall flat, you know, or kind of be a turnoff? Give us a little bit of your your wisdom there, Ryan. I'd love to hear that. So online can be very tricky. I think what I see the most is people suddenly aren't themselves. It's like because you're behind a camera, you lose all of your personality. So tip number one, just 
try to forget that you're on a camera and just pretend you're in a room with everybody. Um, I mean, even coming today for this podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're being recorded, right? right? right. I don't want to act different. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of just put that aside and just do what you would normally do. And I think it's the same thing for online interviews. Uh, the other thing, too, I think a lot of people don't really put a lot of thought into their setting, camera placement, backdrop, um, how close or far they are from the camera when they're online. So just a few things to remember. You could probably make yourself a checklist. There's a lot of also references online that tell you how to prepare for an online interview. Mm -hmm. And there's some really great advice out there. So you definitely should do your research. Don't just hop on your computer and say, I got this. So you know, definitely test your technology an hour before, 30 minutes before, and make sure everything's working. Because even though it was working yesterday, doesn't mean it's working right now. Um, camera placement is huge. I think a lot of times what we see with online interviews is people's cameras are looking up at them. So they're looking down at us or the opposite. Their camera's looking down on them and they're looking up at us. And that's very weird if you're in a formal interview. So take the time to get your camera placement at eye level. And as far as closeness, you really want to be about mid-torso up to the top of your head so that we can so, see yeah, enough of so you. Good, yeah. But you don't want to be so close that we're all up in your business, <laughs> in your face, and so far away that we can't really get a feel for your facial expressions and your personality. So that's kind of a good distance to keep in mind. And, um, you know, you hear the jokes about people wearing shorts but a blazer. You know, if there's any chance you might get asked to stand up. I would recommend you just be full on professionally dressed, even online interviewing. You never know, you know, what's going to happen or if something might you need to stand up and take care of something. You also are just going to feel more prepared if you dress the part. So you feel the way that your clothes are when you're yeah. in an interview. So go ahead and get up earlier, get dressed, do all the things you need to do. Backgrounds can be very distracting. Uh, so oh. Oh, you're laughing. <laughs> I know. I'm laughing too. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> uh, yes, we've definitely, um, I've definitely been in online interviews these past couple of years where you see some things you probably didn't want to see. Right. Um, you know, and then there's things where you're just like, oh, I'm distracted by your dirty laundry. And are you going to keep your office that way? So you kind of get a little bit of, you know, you try not to judge, but. It's like the coffee stain on the shirt. It is. It's like talking to you. <laughs> yes, it's talking to you. Yes. Oh, gosh, um, this is I've awesome. I've had cats walk across keyboards I've in the middle that. of interviews that happens that's, that's disturbing not disturbing a little bit it is like what's going on i know you're like yeah you're definitely not prepared for this so um keep your background simple plain is always best but if you don't have a plain you know wall that you can use just something very basic and simple i did have a really positive experience with a candidate one time here in texas uh we were doing an online interview and he yeah. very strategically placed like a texas <laughs> Um, item in the background on his shelving unit. Very clean. There were a couple Ooh, of books savvy. and he he staged it. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Uh, so something very simple like that can also be a nice touch. It's like a little say. mirroring technique. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. It was great. <laughs> so keep some of those things in mind when you're doing online interviews. But I think the biggest thing I see other than some of those basics is people just get really nervous being on a camera. So if you're nervous on a camera, practice. Get on right. a camera and interview yourself or have somebody practice with you and just get comfortable there because we can sense it and feel it. Uh, so, yeah. just No, I, I echo your sentiments and advice. I know just before COVID hit, we did a lot of Skype interviews, mm -hmm. and which is getting online. Yes. And we would see things from people. <laughs> it's like they were cramming in the interview, like dressed in like they're working out or something, which, right. again, I understand we're strength coaches, but I think... I always say you need to go one level above. If you think you should be here, maybe go one or two levels above that. Yes. 
because you don't get that that famous quote like you don't get a second chance to make a, a first impression right and that's your first time medium though it's online so dress the part i think i love your part about not being you know not looking down at the camera i know one of the i've got a guy that stand i still remember his online interview to this day he ended up getting a job uh in the big 10 and he was incredible um but just the way he was in a suit and tie his background was just clean with no no clutter in it and he had the perfect distance on camera like we were actually sitting at a table talking so i felt very comfortable and he just he was very comfortable and confident uh, in the interview and it just it's it was simple it was clean and uh, he was organized and he stood out. It was just, you know, I think just paying attention to details, I think. Paying attention to details. And the thing about the online interviews is you want to make sure that anything around you, you want to be the focal point of that interview. Interviewers are human. We all get distracted. So anything that you've got around you that's going to be a distraction will happen. And you want to make sure we're focused on you and your confidence and what you're communicating in your interview. So eliminate the possibility of me being like, hey, what's on TV behind you? Like, if you're watching Friends, I'm tuned out because I love Friends. So I'm not listening to you anymore. Um, So definitely think about those things are really important. And just, you know, be yourself. And that confidence that you just mentioned is so important. You know, going in as comfortable as you can. Um, I know. Yeah, we had a, you made me think, um, we had an interview, again, pre-COVID, for position and the guy we were doing phone interviews mm-hmm. which we'll do that sometimes yeah. we'll do a phone yeah. then a skype or zoom and then in person if we can and this person was you had made you know like you know how we do it here at texas right and i'm sure a lot of places you'll start with your your pool and you'll trim it down to to those you feel like are qualified based on their resumes right <laughs> what you said earlier so note to yourself yes. make sure you're qualified yes to for the job description and then just did a phone call with just real short, just an introduction. The guy, I think it was a guy who was in Starbucks oh, on gosh. like a, you know, the little ear things that hang down. Yes. It was so loud. I couldn't even really hear what the guy was saying. Wow. It was such a, just a turnoff professionally. And like, yep. if this is really, so my, my point on this is like, if you really want this job and you take it serious, like take the interview serious, right? Get yes. into a place that's. You know, no distractions. There's no sound. There's no cats or dogs. <laughs> no TV show on. There's yes. no background talking or, you know, planes flying over. Like, find a good, quiet place that you can focus and answer. Because usually that, that moment, yes. those those first interviews are usually, I mean, 20 to 30 minutes maybe. Yes. They're short. So you don't have a, a very big window to make that impression. So it's, it's important. You really don't. And a little bit more honesty, I think. You know, you can lose a job in about the first three minutes of an interview, and it won't even really matter what you say after. If that first impression, if you didn't take the time to prepare, because what the person interviewing you is thinking is, well, if you're not going to take the time to prepare and be your best right now, you're not going to be any better if I hire you. Because this is when you should put on the best of the best for yourself and really show me that you want this job and you took the time to prepare. And if you blow it, you're kind of out. So good. Yeah. Good stuff. Transition in-person interview. Mm -hmm. So you make it through the gauntlet, so to speak, right? (laughs) And you get the in-person interview. You're excited. Your heart's racing. How? Talk to that individual. How should they go about preparing for the interview in advance? It could be they could only have a few days to get ready to fly in. Maybe it's a week. I don't know. Give us kind of some, some advice there and counsel. 
Yes, for sure. Um, if you already had an online in like face to face Zoom type interview, definitely find a new outfit. <laughs> um, I like so that. yeah. that'll kind of change it up. So they're like, hey, you were wearing that when we interviewed you the other day. So it sounds silly, but just something to think about. Um, the other thing, too, I think for in person, I don't know that the prep is that much different. There's a few different things to think about once you're in person, but really you're going to do your research again, take notes for yourself. I think one thing, too, and this really applies for both online and in person. Every time you get to the interview, what's the final question? What do they why? ask you? Why do you want to come here? Why do you want this job? And yeah. so you share that. And then they always close with this one. What questions do you have for us? Crickets. Crickets. What's wrong? I don't I know. know. I don't understand be ready. it. I mean, clearly at this point, you think most people know, right? They're going to ask me what questions I have. And I think um, a lot of times people get caught up in, well, I don't want to seem too pushy or too overbearing. Or, But the thing is, is we know you're interviewing us too. So one, I expect for you to ask questions because I might think you're a good fit for our company and our department and for our team. But if you don't feel the same way, then we're not a match. So really take the opportunity to prepare questions you have. And I usually will tell people like, well, how many, how many questions should I ask at the end of an interview? And if you're doing a full day of interviews, which typically would be an in-person, you should have questions for every single interview you're in, not just the first one. So that's the other thing I hear at the end of the day. Oh, I don't have any more questions. They've all been answered. You know what? It's a different group. Ask the same questions again. You might get different answers and be able to kind of compare what people think. Um, but as far as a count, uh, one is not enough. So I typically will recommend somewhere between two and four, two being the minimum you would ask at the end of any interview and four being the maximum because anything over four really might be too much um, where your interviewers might start to be like, okay, we're running out of time and we want to be respectful of time as well. So two to three is a really good uh, medium if you don't have an idea so that you show that you're interested and you want to know what's going on, but you're mm -hmm. not going to consume another 30 minutes of the, of the interview committee's time at the same time. So that's something to think about. I don't. What's your experience with questions? Do you feel the same? You're looking at no, me like, yeah, I, don't I know. think <laughs> you know you struck a chord uh, just over the years uh, working with you guys. You guys have trained me well, by the way. Great. <laughs> it's like when you get in front of your AD mm -hmm. and they're just throwing peppering them with questions, and you're just sitting there and you're kind of being supportive and listening, and they're doing great. And then this question comes, like, what right. questions do you have for us? The ones that have fallen pretty flat, it's just, I don't have any. I don't have any. Versus yeah. ones that kind of push back a little bit in a respectful way and yes. go, hey, well, I think one of my favorite questions is like, where do you see this the vision for this athletic department going in the next three to five right. years? Yes. And just be quiet and let them talk, you know? Yeah. But I think some kind of follow-up question uh, or even a question, I think what you just said would be huge is that you, you do your homework on the university or the department and bring up something that's relevant right now that would right. pertain to you if you were part of that staff. Exactly. You know, kind of that puts a picture in their head that you see yourself working here and that you love it. You know, you, yes. you have a, an affinity for it. So I think that helps. It's also a great opportunity to show you did your research and you know about that university or that organization or that team. Um, and every interviewer, every AD wants to know that you invested some time in learning about us while you're there. So questions are a great opportunity to do that. I agree with you. The ADs can be intimidating. I think a lot of times what happens is people get in front of the AD and they freeze and they get nervous about, I don't I don't know what to ask. I don't know if it's going to be sound intelligent enough or researched enough. But the thing is, is I don't know a single AD that doesn't like to talk. Right. Ask them right. questions. They want to talk. They want to share their visions with you. Um, and they also want to know that you're going to treat them like a human, just like everybody else. 
Most ADs want to have a relationship with their teams. And you do that through conversation and two-way dialogue. And if you're going to freeze every time because you're so nervous or so scared around an AD, um, that's going to hurt you every time. So find a way to get comfortable with that question and plan for your audience. You know your interview schedule before you get there. So think of some questions you can ask an AD uh, versus a head coach or someone else you might be meeting with. You made me think, you know, I I have four daughters at home and and we're kind of helping them get into the job market a little bit. It's not athletics, but still the one thing, and it's just, and I'm I'm sure you've seen this in young people, just social intelligence. Oh, yes. Just being able to (laughs) sit down, let's have some banter and just general conversation, whether it's about a movie or about something in life or something in your family. That kind of thing, those kind of conversations put people at ease. And then when you do give an actual (laughs) answer... You go, wait, I can relate to this, you know. So I think that's a part of learning how do you connect with people when you communicate and not just give information. Absolutely. Is a big piece. You know, a funny, unrelated story. My relationship with RAD uh, kind of began with me sending him pictures of rattlesnakes. <laughs> so we live out in the country in the middle of nowhere, and he's definitely not a country snake kind of guy. Um, and he can hear this and he'll laugh and tell you the same thing. So now we kind of have this thing we have for the last couple of years. We get these really big rattlesnakes or copperheads and I send him pictures and he's like, I'm never coming out there where you right. live. I'm going to get bit by something. But it kind of just gave us something that's not informational. It's not always just about work, right? Have a personality. It is okay in interview settings, whether it's online or in person, to break the ice and have, you know, a conversation about just something fun or, you know, crack a joke if that's your personality. If it's not, just, you know, try to relax and be yourself and and have that social intelligence and it's okay to be conversational uh, to some extent. So don't be afraid to just have those types of conversations outside of what's your vision or what's your plan or these are my answers to your questions. Because people who are interviewing you, they want to hire people. They want to hire humans that they can interact with and work well with and have relationships with. And that's going to help you stand out among other people all day Mm -hmm. um, in interviews when they're interviewing a lot of people. Real quick, what in in all your years of conducting and leading interviews and helping (laughs) people, um, what have you seen that kind of sets candidates apart? So let's say you're one of two or three finalists for the in-person, what would you say, what kind of can help them set themselves apart? What have you seen? I've got a couple of things, but you go first. Yeah. So outside of just competency for the job, right? Being qualified Mm -hmm. and knowing that they can do it. You set all that aside and, you know, they both have that experience. I would say um, relaxing and not being afraid to have some fun. Um, being able to have that conversation, to laugh at themselves or to joke, um, not being afraid to kind of ask the silly questions. I had one person come in and we started the interview and she's like, wait, can I ask a quick quick question? And I was like, of course, you know, what is it? She's like, can I take notes? Like she wasn't afraid to kind of put herself out there, which I think most people would have been too afraid. Very simple question. But for me, I was like, I like this, right? She's comfortable asking the questions that most other people would be too nervous to even bring up, even though it's not anything serious. Um, so just being able to, you know, have fun and have a personality and smile. Some people get mm-hmm. into an interview and they're so nervous and they're so tense and they never smile and they never just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm good, right? Have a conversation with me. This interview is really about a conversation. I want to get to know you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit here and drill you the whole time and you give me these rehearsed answers. So if you can find a way to put yourself in more of kind of like you said, right, the campsite, campfire talk, just relax and have a conversation. Those for me, the individuals that really stand out. 
competencies and qualifications aside, because I know that you're going to be able to build relationships with other people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. You're going to be somebody who can, you know, build trust and is open to asking questions and looking silly sometimes if, if it feels that way for you. I don't know. Well, you said you had some tips. What are yours? Yeah, no, you got me. You got my mind. I'm going to tell you my, what, I, <laughs> what I think. But you made me think of that. Again, John Maxwell, I've read so much of his. It's so good. But it's like uh, he says, like 99% of the time, people work with people they get along well That's with. That's absolutely right. And so if you can show up front in an interview that you're very personable. Yep. And that you can you can be approachable, right? Then right. you're going to be somebody like, hey, I like this. I could see this person on our team. So yes. I think that's a big piece of it. Uh, going back, I think things I've seen over the years that kind of I think ah, that's a cool little you know tip there. Like like you just mentioned, one person wore a burn orange tie, like a splash of burn orange with yes. no Texas logos. Yes. So thinking through. I remember we had one guy came in with one of our Big 12 color, other schools, color zone. Like, you might not want to wear purple or maroon. I remember that day. I'm like, that's not. (laughs) I think you actually called me about that guy. Yeah, I'm like, uh. He's wearing not orange. He's wearing maroon. (laughs) Don't wear the other school's colors to an interview. Go neutral at least, right? (laughs) Go neutral at least. (laughs) I think that, I think what I've seen, uh, even on some of our staff here, they'll do just a one-sheeter on how they would interact with every department within the team. Wow. Kind of, this is what you can expect from me working with this department, this department. And I thought like, that's very proactive in your thinking and being, hey, this is what it would look like if you hired me with my skill set. It was just, it was small and concise. It wasn't like in depth, but it was something that kind of like, hey, I never thought that this is a cool touch, you know? So I think that's, those those are the things that kind of stood out to me. I love that. You know, one thing I always go back to when it comes down to, you ask me who, who to hire. And, you know, I say, yes, you need to be qualified and, and competent. But I also know that there are some very specific things. I can train anyone how to process a background check, do an I-9, work in the HR office. But how well you blend with the existing team, how well you get along with others, and how you build relationships, that's a lot harder to train or teach, sometimes mm-hmm. impossible. So when you're interacting, those are things to think about. You're always on stage, right? So your style and your demeanor, and you don't have to be an extrovert to pass this test, right? Introverts, you don't have to be this crazy, outgoing, loud, bubbly thing. But, you know, being able to have a conversation and just being comfortable with who you are says a lot about who you will be as part of that team. Yeah, I think um, the book uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, he talks about that in there about kind of in a different language than we're saying but you're going to spend more time with your work team than you do your family absolutely typically right yes especially in athletics especially so you that's a he calls that like the circle of safety so when you hire somebody though it's not your genetic bloodline family the time and the, the the things you're going to share whether it's adversity different conflicts disagreements projects you're working on you're going to be in the trenches so you want to bring that person in there that they somebody that you can be they can be loyal with you you can trust and get along and you know that if you get offended or have to work through things it's going to be okay right because you're in this together in your family so exactly definitely uh that i know when i read that that really helped me years ago just on my perspective and mentality of how when you hire people you need to take it serious you do be, be cautious about who you do bring in so yes absolutely i know you know i've had experiences where i've been leader and a part of a team that did not get along. It didn't work. And I was miserable. 
miserable. Everybody was miserable. Nobody enjoyed it. People didn't get along. And, you know, it's so funny now because when I hire from my own team, it's there's a big part of it that goes into how are you going to blend with the existing team that we have in place? And is that going to work? Because one bad hire can ruin the dynamics that you have on a really strong team pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I don't want to negate people's qualifications and experience, but I think that it's the whole package. You've got to go in and present, you know, who you are as a person, but also, you know, who you are as a professional and and how you work with others around you, especially in athletics, because this is not a independent job. These are all team effort approaches. Quick little side here, I think is important. Speak real briefly to diversity and inclusion in hiring. I know that's a big piece at University of Texas Athletics. um, And, you know, Coach Conrad has obviously been very instrumental in just not only equipping us for that, but you guys in HR have done a good job of just reminding us, hey, let's let's look at all types of candidates, not just go look for clones, right? (laughs) So speak to that for a moment. Yes, no, you know, and I love that you bring up Coach Conrad. She's been such a great partner for human resources and our team and really focusing on hiring for a diverse environment in athletics. And, you know, diversity is so important. I think a lot of people um, really underestimate the power and the impact that having a diverse team can have in your organization um, and on your university. So, you know, that diversity, I have one of the mo- most diverse teams in athletics, yeah, you do. Um, yeah. which, you know, is intentionally and by design. I, you know, I also, you know, hire people that have worked for me before, have done a great job or who have worked for others that have done a great job. Um, and it's, you know, it's such a really great thing to have that diversity on your staff because we get into different situations that can be very challenging. People have different experiences or different backgrounds. And when you pull from your own personal life experiences or your professional ones, we'll sometimes sit in a room and say, who's best equipped to handle this situation? And it's not always me. In fact, usually it's not me um, when we're dealing with some of the more challenging situations. Um, you know, if you're dealing with gender, if you're dealing with race, if you're dealing with age, we all have different perspectives and backgrounds. So sometimes we'll decide, okay, hey, Olga, you're going to handle this, or hey, Arthur, or Jose, or whoever on the staff um, has experiences they can draw from that might really connect with that employee or with that situation. The other really great thing, too, is we can sit in a room together and we can openly share because we have the trusting relationships and we have the really great di- team dynamics. And we can all come together and put together a plan that says, here's the best approach for this situation mm-hmm. by all coming together and sharing those experiences from those diverse backgrounds. We do make a really concerted effort in Texas athletics to try to go out and recruit intentionally. If you think that you're going to have a diverse candidate pool with no effort, you are wrong. You have to make the effort. That's so good, yeah. You have to go out and intentionally yeah. recruit. Do advertising. There's websites galore that you can post your jobs on um, that you can really pull candidates from all over the world um, and all over the United States to come in and work in your organization. So if you think you're going to post a job and, and really have a great qualified and diverse pool, you're doing it wrong. Get out there and recruit. Use your networks. Use the websites that our universities and higher ed partners have created to help really bring in those candidates and cast your net really wide. Because otherwise, you're going to hire somebody who probably doesn't even have the best qualifications you could have found. And there's some really great experiences out there that you should be pulling in. Yeah, I can uh, definitely attest just over the years at Texas. And uh, I remember Coach Conrad said this to me one time that, you know, if you look at your your student-athletes, 
and look at the diversity, the range of diversity yes. in our student athletes, shouldn't our coaching staff or shouldn't our staff in athletics somewhat kind of mimic that? If they're going to have that range of background, ethnicities, right. Right. life experiences, then yes. you, you probably want to have that in your, your hiring process as well. So and, so it's definitely uh, impactful when she said that, to, to just think through that lens. It's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are who our athletes look at. And they're like, can I do this in my future when I graduate? What can I do? And when they see people they can connect to and relate to doing these full-time professional jobs in athletics, then you've already given them this knowledge that they can too. And our whole mm -hmm. job is to support and graduate and help our student athletes be really productive and positive individuals in the community and in their life. So if we set the example now, then we're starting something really positive for future generations. And that is something Coach Conrad has always been really, really great about teaching and modeling and supporting for athletics. And um, she's just such a legend and we've loved working with yeah. her and having her support. My, one of my favorite uh, movie references that, um, as you were talking a minute ago, is uh, The Avengers. Yes. I don't know if any Marvel <laughs> fans out there, I don't know, Ryan, if you watch movies I like do, that. I do, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, you think about, there. There, here's this, you know, obviously it's a very fictional cartoon movie. Uh, sorry to break anybody's heart if you thought it was real, but... <laughs> But it's like you're fighting, you know, you're fighting evil in the world or in the in the universe. And there's this diverse uh, team of superpowers, you yes. know, and everybody, you know, there's conflict and they don't get along well and they have to kind of figure it out. And there's different leaders and different roles. And, you know, once they figure it out, they're powerful together. And I feel like that's right. how athletics is, too. You know, when you can hire it with diverse, diversity and inclusion, you build this team of people with superpowers that have they look through different lenses they see problems Absolutely. differently and it makes you stronger as a unit and it makes you more creative it does and uh just it makes you more powerful and just more relevant in athletics and so i think uh, again kudos to you guys for Thank you. for always pushing us to do that yeah. so just again don't forget that in the higher as you're you're, you're looking for jobs that, that's so important it is absolutely um let's change gears here as we kind of turn the corner uh, as we're getting close to the end on the flip side you've applied for the job but just haven't heard anything back what would you say to them how should they proceed your resume is failing <laughs> <laughs> i do it womp, womp. i knew it was coming i think you know there are definitely some things that if you sit back and you're like i've applied for multiple jobs i've heard nothing back you got a resume problem because that's how you get your foot in the door um the other thing, too, that I will say, so one, going back to the resume, go back and look at that. Have someone else look at it. Take a partner, get some feedback, find a friend who works in HR, or there's agencies out there, too, that can help you. If you've been trying this for a long time and you're just not getting phone calls, go find an agency that helps with resume writing or get some help online. Um, because if you're not getting an interview, that's the starting point to look at where the problem might be. Uh, the other thing that I will tell you, too, you've heard the saying, it's who you know. Right, right. It's actually not. It's who knows you. And so somebody yes. told me that so in good. my career probably 15 years ago. They're like, it's not about who you know. It's about who knows you. And it took me a really long time to fully mm -hmm. understand the impact of what they meant. People don't get jobs because of who they know. You're not necessarily, I mean, yeah, you can pick up the phone and you can call someone. But really, when someone's recruiting, a lot of times they're sitting down in a room and saying, who do we know that could be really good at this job? Or they might happen to be in an organization that's hiring and they're like, hey, you know what? I know somebody who might be a perfect fit. 
let me reach out to them and call them. So one thing that I could really tell you is if you're not getting a call, get out there and network yourself. Get out there and show off who you are. Go have lunch with the person across campus you don't want to have lunch with that works in whatever office so that you get to build relationships and meet people. Get involved in organizations. Go to conferences. Sit on committees. Um, The more involved you are, the more people who know you can actually vouch for you and say, hey, you know what? Donnie would be really great for this. Um, And I know him because he's done all this work with me here, here, and here. And that gets your name circulating and can kind of help with, okay, maybe your resume's in there or it's a really competitive pool. But a lot of times, word of mouth really helps with getting your foot in the door um, with different job opportunities. That is like my, man, I would, I want to take that and like staple that and put that in quotes. (laughs) We just relevant situation. We just hosted NCAA volleyball tournament here in town, and mm-hmm. we played a, a school that they came all the way from the East Coast. And this young coach, very young strength coach, reached out to me. Uh, actually, reached out to me over uh, over Instagram, mm-hmm. and just hey, let's get together and have a cup of coffee. And I was like, I never met this individual. Sit down. She was dressed sharp. I mean, it was literally like it felt like an interview. <laughs> But I, I've never met or know, but I just, I, after we met, I was like, um, and their team performed really well. And I was like, you have a bright future. But just the, the right. net, I mean, that we spent maybe 30 minutes on a cup of coffee. Yep. You know, That's I actually, nice. you know, I bought the coffee. I was like, hey, you're reaching out to me. And I, I actually learned some stuff from her. So not only is it a good networking, but you make an impression and you start to build this relationship professionally that other people may call it hey have you heard of this person and go well actually i have met her and she's super i mean she was impressive to me so and you start to build a kind of a a brand for yourself so to speak you really do you know it's funny earlier you asked me kind of how i came into athletics and i told you you know i was at housing and dining and the guy who had hired me had retired and come in i made a point once a month to have lunch with him from the day he hired me till he brought me into athletics so we kept a connection for two three years And that's why when athletics became this opportunity or an option, I was still in contact with him on a regular basis. And we were sharing ideas from one department to another. And so, you know, things like that, coffee, a lunch once in a while, it doesn't have to be all the time and frequent, but enough to keep a connection or to form new connections with people um, who you can help and they can help you. You know, that street goes both ways. So it also helps you find people that are great for your organization that you can bring in and say, hey, I know this great person. Um, Let's give them a a shout and see if they're interested and and talk to them. Yeah, you gotta be, right? So here you're saying you gotta be a little bit like a maven in the book Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He tells a story, I think one of the first chapters about uh, Paul Revere. Okay. And Paul Revere is known for the British are coming, right? right. He was the first one. So history, and, and we have this perception, he was the first one to warn mm-hmm. everybody that the British were coming. When actually, he wasn't the first. And he tells the story in the book, in that chapter, there, and I can't remember the guy's name. There was actually a guy that beat him to the punch. Ah, interesting. Here was the problem. Paul Revere was a maven. He was connected all kind of different clubs and societies back then. That's right. And he networks, that's our kind of modern day term, with people all throughout that that area so that when he spoke up, people knew him, they believed him, they listened to him, yes. and people responded versus the first guy that actually beat him to the punch right. where really nobody listened. And again, to your point, yep. you will be known because of these little things that make a difference as a professional. That's right. Absolutely. So goes a long way. Good stuff. Yes. Um, last question. Any resources, classes, books, 
courses uh, to help people level up going into 2022 oh, to get Donnie, a job. You're definitely the reader of the two of us. So guilty, <laughs> guilty admittance here. I don't read a lot, y'all. <laughs> don't Sorry. judge me. Um, yeah. So, you know, I put some thought into this because I kind of thought you might ask me this question. <laughs> I will say this. I kind of go back to, um, I don't think there's any one resource that levels somebody up. I think that the approach for any individual is get involved in your industry. You know, if you are a strength coach looking to be a head coach and run, you know, an entire Olympic sports program or a football program, or if you're um, in sports medicine, whatever mm -hmm. your focus is, each of you have your own industry, just like I have my own industry of human resources. Um, one, if you're not certified or there are other certifications you can get, do it. Um, find what you want to do and go educate yourself. Get your certifications, get your licenses, keep them current, um, because that is something that can absolutely give you an edge over others and also level you up, um, as you say, at the same time, because you're constantly learning and keeping current with what it is that you're an expert at. Uh, the other thing that I would say is, <laughs> you know, a lot of this is about HR. So there's this fun little secret most people don't know. So HR has conferences, just like every other um, right. industry right. does, uh, but they're not necessarily exclusive to HR professionals. So if you want an inside scoop on what HR people are learning and doing um, right now or some things that you can tap into or interviewing help, go register for an HR conference and go just sit in and learn some things that we're talking about because nobody's asking. So that's kind of a neat way for you to just figure out, okay, how do I you know, we're the ones that are kind of setting the standards and the requirements for how you get jobs and how you move up in your career ladder to some extent. Um, and just get involved in your community. Like I said earlier, sit on different volunteer yeah, activities. Be something. a member of your diversity, yep. equity, and inclusion group and, you know, take offices and and be involved in your organization because, again, that's going to help you with networking. You're going to learn so much more about your organization as a whole. If you stay in your little bubble and do just what you do every day. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna level up at all. Yeah, you're gonna be great at what you're doing, but if you want to move up in your career, you've gotta learn about your organization, you've gotta learn about your team, you've gotta learn about the university, um, if you're staying in education. So getting involved in things outside of your four walls that are available to you is gonna help you all day because the more you understand about the organization from a bigger, broader perspective, that's you're already an expert at what you do. And yes, you can keep learning and growing that. But it's the things you don't know that you should really be exposing yourself to. So that would kind of be my advice for leveling up outside of not having, you know, specific books or Actually, <laughs> you know what though? But that, you know, that's uh that's a core value and that I definitely recommend for a lot of people is cuz I think in our profession, we tend to kind of like head down and as coaches yes. and mm -hmm. stick in our office and do our home, you know, do all our notes and programming and work with athletes or whatever and just go home where yeah. I, I really feel like, I mean, I think that's such golden advice if you want to keep moving up is that you've got to get outside the four walls. Uh, yep. I think Donald Phillips talks about it in a lot of his leadership books. Uh, Martin Luther King, he would walk slowly through the hallways, right? That's right. And that's really what you're saying is you got to get out there and you got to stop and meet other people get involved doesn't have to be doesn't have to be super heavy correct you know burdensome but you're building relationally you're learning connecting with new people that's right that's going to build you up and help yes. you get ready so yes and you know a lot of times you'll see in those other extracurricular kind of volunteer things you see your senior leadership you see your executive staff you see your ad and so it gives you time it gives you right. access so yeah 
on things that are not just about what you're doing every day to keep the organization running. And so I think a lot of times people underestimate the value of being involved. The only other thing that I would say here that I didn't mention earlier is become an expert in behavioral interviewing (laughs) if you want that next job. Um, So many companies have really embraced this and you can just go online and Google behavioral interviewing and there are thousands of resources and um, seminars and classes that you can watch and take and it really will help you with your interviewing um, skills to help you get that next job. Simply put to my kind of definition of that and correct me if I'm wrong, is just how do you respond in critical situations, right? right? Right. How are you going to respond? Yep. People want to see how you're going to respond and yep. how you're going to how you uh, how you problem solve. Yes, your analytical skills and then how you handle conflict too. Yes, and I think those are that's so important and, and bring a lot of value. So Absolutely, and huge. that's something we target. You know, how do you do conflict management? Give me an example of a time when you did, and I don't want to hear. Well, if I face this situation, this is what I do. I want to hear what you've actually done. Um, so you're going to share with me the situation, how you handled it, what actions you took, and that outcome. And if you can nail those three things, situation, actions, and outcome, and really share how you handled situations in the past, that's a great predictor of how you're going to handle them in the future. So that's something else that I would say for leveling up your interview, get out there and become an expert at that process and that style. Um, because that, it's That last point is so important. Yep. It's huge. Yeah. Well, Ryan, it's been awesome today. If people, the listeners want to reach out and just kind of connect with you and maybe try to, you know, ask a few more questions, what's the best way to connect with you? Yes. Email is definitely the best way. Uh, do you want me to spell that out right now? Go for it, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to go slow. It's very complicated. So it's Ryan.Brashears, but it is R-I-A-N-N-E dot Brashears, B as in boy, R-A-S-H-E-A-R-S at athletics.utexas.edu. So shoot me an email. I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. And if you lost that, I'll let me know. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> He'll put we'll, it in the show notes. It's we'll kind of long. We'll put it in the little, the little outline. How's that? <laughs> that sounds great. I know those are long, but, but uh, Ryan, it's been incredible today. Thank you for just sharing wisdom, counsel, and advice uh, so that people, I, I really believe 2022, there's going to be a lot of job openings. Uh, that's my belief. I, I don't agree. know if you agree. but I do. But like you said, uh, if you're listening today, do not be afraid. Apply for the job and go get it and make this a great year. So anything else to, to end on there, Ryan? No, I'm just so grateful for being invited today. Thank you so much for letting me share some of these tips. Again, my opinions, they're not always uh, well-liked by everybody, but they seem to work for me and for people who have used them. So best of luck to you, and I hope you end up in the best career you could ever ask for. Good stuff. Again, yeah. Ryan Brashears, uh, HR Athletics here, Associate Athletic Director. UT Austin. Ryan, thank you so much. Yes, sir. You're this welcome. is Donnie Mae, and this is the Team Behind the Team podcast. You guys have a great 2022. We'll catch you on the other side. Hook them. Hook them. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.